Hello, this is Jake Leahy reading the Supreme Court opinion syllabus in Samia versus United States. Certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. Decided on June 23rd, 2023. Petitioner, Adam Samia, along with Joseph Hunter and Carl Stilwell, were arrested by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration and charged with a variety of offenses related to the murder for hire of Catherine Lee, a real estate broker. The government tried all three defendants jointly in the Southern District of New York. Prior to trial, the government moved to admit Stilwell's post-arrest confession, in which he admitted that he had been, been in the van in which Lee was killed, but he claimed that Samia had shot Lee. Since Stilwell would not be testifying on his own behalf and the full confession implicated Samia, the government proposed that the confession be introduced through the testimony of a DEA agent who would testify to the content of Stilwell's confession in a way that eliminated Samia's name while avoiding any obvious indications of redaction. The district court granted the government's motion with additional alterations to conform to its understanding of this court's confrontation clause precedents. At trial, the government's theory of the case was that Hunter had hired Samia and Stilwell to pose as real estate buyers and visit properties with Lee and that Samia, Stilwell, and Lee were in a van driven by Stilwell when Samia shot Lee. As part of the government's case-in-chief, a DEA agent testified that Stilwell had confessed to a time when the other person he was with pulled the trigger on that woman in a van that he and Mr. Stilwell was driving. Other portions of the agent's testimony recounting Stilwell's confession used the, quote, other person descriptor to refer to someone with whom Stilwell had traveled and lived and who carried a particular firearm. Both before the agent's testimony, and again prior to deliberations, the district court instructed the jury that the agent's testimony about Stilwell's confession was admissible only as to Stilwell, and should not be considered as to Samia or Hunter. Samia and his co-defendants were convicted on all counts. On appeal, Samia argued that the admission of Stilwell's confession was constitutional error because other evidence and statements at trial enabled the jury to immediately infer that the other person described in the confession was Samia himself. The Second Circuit, pointing to the established practice of replacing a defendant's name with a neutral pronoun, noun or pronoun, in a non-testifying co-defendant's confession, held that the admission of Stilwell's confession did not violate Samia's Confrontation Clause rights. Held. The Confrontation Clause was not violated by the admission of a non-testifying co-defendant's confession that did not directly inculpate the defendant and was subject to a proper limiting instruction. A. Stilwell's formal Mirandized confession Confession to authorities is testimonial and thus falls within the ambit of the Sixth Amendment's Confrontation Clause, which forbids the introduction of -of out-of-court testimonial statements unless the witness is unavailable and the defendant has had the chance to cross-examine the witness previously. See Crawford v. Washington. The clause, however, applies only to witnesses against the accused. 
And ordinarily, a witness whose testimony is introduced at a joint trial is not considered to be a witness against the defendant if the jury is instructed to consider that testimony only against a co-defendant. See Richardson versus March. Marsh. This general rule is consistent with the clause's text, historical practice, and the law's reliance on limiting instructions in other contexts. 1. Long-standing practice permitted a non-testifying co-defendant's confession to be admitted in a joint trial so long as the jury was properly instructed not to consider it against the non-confessing defendant. This practice is identified in early treatises. See Law of Evidence. See Sparf versus United States. See United States versus Ball. And in many states, with a similar constitutional right of confrontation, CEG state versus workman, notably, none of these treatises or cases suggest that a confession naming a co-defendant must in all cases be altered to refer to another person or something similar. Thus, while it is unclear that any alteration to Stillwell's confession was necessary, historical practice suggests that altering a non-testifying co-defendant's confession not to name the defendant, coupled with a, a limiting instruction, was enough to permit the introduction of such confessions, at least as an evidentiary matter. 2. This historical practice is in accord with the law's broader assumption that jurors will attend closely the particular language of limiting instructions in a criminal case and strive to understand, to make sense, and to follow them. United States v. Olono and the presumption that jurors following, follow limiting instructions applies to statements that are substantially more credible and inculpatory than a co-defendant's confession. See Harris v. New York. To disregard or to make unnecessary exceptions to this principle would make inroads into the entire complex code of criminal evidentiary law and would threaten other large areas of trial jurisprudence. Spencer versus Texas. B. The court in Brutton versus United States recognized a narrow exception to the presumption that juries follow their instructions, holding that a defendant is deprived of a Sixth Amendment right of confrontation when the facially incriminating confession of a non-testifying co-defendant is introduced at their joint trial, even with a proper instruction. See Richardson. In Brutton, the prosecution introduced a confession by Brutton's co-defendant that implicated Brutton by name. The court held that the confession's introduction substantially threatened Brutton's right to confront the witnesses against him, reasoning that there are some contexts in which the risk that the jury will not or cannot follow instructions is so great and the consequences of failure so vital to the defendant that the practical and human limitations of the jury system cannot be ignored. In Richardson v. Marsh, the court declined to extend Brutton further to confessions that do not name the defendant. Richardson involved a redacted confession that was not incriminating on its face and became so only when linked with evidence introduced later at trial. In such cases of inferential incrimination, the court posited that the judge's instruction may well be successful in dissuading the jury from entering onto the path of inference. 
the court in Gray versus Maryland later qualified Richardson by holding that certain obviously redacted confessions might be directly accusatory and thus fall within Brutton's rule, even if they did not specifically use a defendant's name. Gray involved whether admission of a co-defendant's confession altered by substituting for the defendant's name in the confession a blank space or the word deleted violated the confrontation clause. The court in Gray concluded that when a redacted confession simply replaces a name with an obvious blank space or a word such as deleted or a symbol or other similarly obvious indication of alteration, the evidence so closely resembles Brutton's unredacted statements, the law requires the same result. C. The court's precedents in this area distinguish between confessions that directly implicate a defendant and those that do so indirectly. Accordingly, neither Brutton, Richardson, nor Gray provides license to flyspeck trial transcripts in search of evidence that could give rise to collateral inference that a defendant was named, named in an altered confession. Here, the district court's admission of Stilwell's confession, accompanied by a limiting instruction, did not run afoul of this court's precedence. Stilwell's confession was redacted to avoid naming Samia, satisfying Brutton's rule, and it was not obviously redacted in a matter, manner resembling the confession in Gray. The, the neutral references to some other person were not akin to obvious blank or the word deleted. D. Expanding Brutton in the way Samia proposes would be inconsistent with long-standing practice and this court's precedence, would work an unnecessary and imprudent change in law, and would require federal and state trial courts to conduct extensive pretrial hearings. Because it would be impractical to fully police juror inferences, the likely practical consequences of extending Brutton here would be to mandate severance whenever the prosecution wishes to introduce the confession of a non-testifying co-defendant in a joint trial. But, as the court has observed, that is too high a price to pay. See Richardson. Samia's proposal is not compelled by the Confrontation Clause, and it ignores both the vital role joint trials play in the criminal justice system and the fact that confessions are essential to society's compelling interest in finding convicting and punishing those who violate the law. Affirmed. Justice Thomas delivered the opinion of the court in which Roberts, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh joined, and in which Barrett joined as to all but Part 2A. Barrett filed an opinion concurring in part and concurring in the judgment. Kagan filed a dissenting opinion, in which Sotomayor and Jackson joined. Jackson filed a dissenting opinion. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe, sign up for notifications, and uh, share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening.